0: well good evening oh hi do we have to do that song and dance the whole thing where i say oh is that it and then i say good evening again we'll try it again i, I have one of my ears out so i know i can actually hear if you respond good evening, Hello. Good evening. oh thank you now i don't feel rejected and alone hey let's stand we're so glad uh, to get to worship with you tonight welcome to fellowship mosaic let's sing the praises of our lord together
1: Your heaven spine creations his bright and adoration treasures woven my
2: And I was sing of all you've done, i remember how far you've carried me from beginning to the end.
0: can take a seat. Well, hi. Welcome to Fellowship Mosaic. We're so glad uh, to have you here. And hey, if you are new, if you're with us for the first time, we would really, really love to get to know you. Um, Really, the the best way, the way that we would most prefer that is to get to have a face-to-face conversation with you tonight. Um, There's a couple of ways that that can happen. If you see someone who looks like a little less lost than you feel, just go elbow them and say, Hey, you look like you know what you're doing. Can you help me meet some people? And they will be happy to do it, even if they're really uncomfortable too. I'd love to just watch the awkwardness happen. So you could try that. Um, or we also have a welcome booth out in the middle of the foyer where there are some people who are like dying for you to come talk to them. They would love to meet you, help you get connected uh, to this church. And if you want to go the digital route, you are also welcome to text hashtag Monu to the number on the screen and somebody will follow up with you this week. Um, we would love to. To invite you into what this congregation is. And it is, it's a family of people. Uh, that's, that's the metaphor that God gives to describe the church family, brothers and sisters walking together as the adopted people of God in Christ, learning to follow Christ together and to love each other well. And so we would love to welcome you into this family. So we're super glad that you're here and uh, excited to worship Jesus with you tonight. Uh, My name is Nick and I get to serve on the team here with teaching and doing community ministry and Rogers and a few other things. So uh, I would love to get to know you tonight as well. And we have had a, a kind of Big last couple of years here at Fellowship Mosaic, we got to be a part of launching um, staff members and families to go be a part of three new congregations that started in northwest Arkansas last year. Uh, So that was a big thing for our season. We got to see Fellowship Bentonville launch. We got to see Samaritan Rogers go through a relaunch and Samaritan Springdale. And so it's a year later. And what we wanted to do as a part of this month where we're kind of kicking off our fall and small groups and school and all those things. Any kids in the room excited to go back to school? I don't know if we have many of the kids in the room right now. Any parents in the room excited for kids to go back to school? Yeah, there you go. Your kids, weren't, they weren't here, so they didn't hear that. So, um, hey, we're, we've got all our fall launch things going on, but one of the things we want to do is we want to hear some updates. How are those congregations doing? So over the next three weeks, we're going to get a little update each week, and tonight we're going to hear from Scott Page and the Samaritan Rogers team. So take a watch.
3: Hello, Fellowship. I'm Scott Page, the pastor of Samaritan Church Rogers. I want to take this opportunity just to update you on what we've been doing this past year. And really, we've just been living out the Samaritan story. The story that we've all heard from the Bible so many times and the Samaritan saw that man on the side of the road and he saw him, he had compassion and then he moved in proximity towards him. And so that's what we're trying to do at our church. We're trying to move towards the people in our neighborhood. So I wanna tell you one quick story um, our students have gone through a program this past summer that we named Immersion because we want to er- immerse them in the scriptures as well as engaging them with our neighbors. So one day, super, super hot day this summer, we went out on a bike ride. We left from Samaritan Church and rode our bikes down 13th Street through the neighborhood and just praying, we'd stop at certain places and pray that the Lord would, would bring people across our path, just like that passage in Luke chapter 10. And so as people came across our path, we had water bottles that we'd pass out and just say, hey, we want to bless you on this hot day. But by the way, is there any way that we can pray for you? And surprisingly to me, in 22 years of ministry, I've never had anybody say, no, there's nothing that you can pray for me. There were three separate occasions that people were almost like, you know, I don't believe in prayer. That's some of what our neighborhood looks like. There's no hope there. There's anger and animosity towards the movement of what is trying to happen. But then as as some of our younger girls came together they went to a man who who worked for the city and it was in between Onyx Coffee Shop and the railroad track and he was weed eating. And those girls went over to this man and just gave him a bottle of water and said, is there anything that we can pray for you today? The man looked him in the eyes and he said, my wife is having a heart transplant. I don't know what her future looks like. I I don't know how we'll pay for it. But I'd love for you to pray for me. And so this group of eighth-grade girls circled around him, prayed for him, and then came back, got on their bikes, we just headed down the road. As, as I looked over at him, as we were passing by and he just wept, we know that the Spirit of God moved within him. It's reaching out, having compassion, and moving in proximity towards him. God's doing amazing things in our neighborhood because of you and your generosity, because of you sending us to North Rogers to do something. We just want to take this opportunity to say thank you.
0: Pretty exciting what God's doing in Rogers through the Samaritan team, yeah. And... One of the things that's really great about sending, sending is painful, sending is hard, um, but not, not only do we get to experience the stories of what God's doing because sending happened, but we get to actually learn from them. And so that's one of the things that we're going to be excited to do as a church is to hear in, in starting something new and being a part of a, a, a ministry with a slightly different focus, um, what can we pick up on? What can we learn? So that's an exciting thing that we get to experience in these teams we launched. And I'm excited to hear more stories about what's happening in Samaritan Springdale and Fellowship Bentonville over the next couple of weeks. So, as we, as we begin to, to worship again, you know, honestly, I was, I was planning on telling you a story about something that happened one time in uh, my and my wife's marriage counseling, and then I saw our counselor walk in, and I suddenly went, wait a minute. What if I exaggerate the story? What if I don't remember it right? And then I realized, oh, ethically, he can't acknowledge it mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm totally fine. So, I'm great. He can't say anything. So, I remember there was this, this one time that we were meeting, and Cassie was laying out this, this tendency I have in conversations to like literally mid-sentence, like walk away and not be aware that I walked away. And she's always like, what's, what's going on? And, uh, and our counselor asked me about ADHD. And I said, no, I don't have ADHD. That's, that's not a thing. And he said, oh, okay. And, and he asked me like 10 questions. And I was like, well, yes, yes, yes to all 10. And he's like, okay, so yeah, that's kind of textbook, right? Um, that's exactly what that is. And I suddenly realized like that, that has defined so many of my interactions, especially when I come to prayer. Now, I might have a very special form of distraction, but I'm inclined to think that when it comes to prayer, when it comes to worship, uh, there is something about our culture and about the world we live in that, that wires us all for distraction, that wires us for, to have a hard time locking in and really being present with the Lord. And so sometimes we do prayer pauses and different things in here. We practice slowing down and breathing and we spend some time in quiet. Um, And those don't happen because uh, something mystical happens when you take three breaths. Um, The reason we do that is because we're trying to slow our pace down to center our focus on Jesus. And I've often found when I'm sitting in the chairs out there singing these songs, I can make it, I can be singing every word and make it three quarters of the way through the song and realize I have literally not been present for any of this song. And what I find is for me to actually be engaged in worship, I have to choose literally almost every single line to re-lock back in on what we're singing. To consider again what it means to take these words that we're saying about our Savior and put my attention on Him, on who He is, and to celebrate that together. So we're going to sing a song uh, that's called Behold Him, and it's an invitation to look at who Jesus is, to look at his wonderful attributes, to look at what he's done. And as we sing this, I want to invite you to turn your attention to him. If you need to, literally every single line, turn your attention back to what we're saying about Jesus as we celebrate the amazing Savior that we have. Would you stand and sing this with us?
4: across the pages of time he who made every living thing behold him
2: he who heard
0: humanity's
2: cry left his throne to wake as a child he became like the least of us behold
0: As we pass the offering, I want to invite us to, to continue our time of worship, and uh, even, as, even as the offering plate goes around, if, if you're like me and you, you do your giving online, I encourage you to continue to make this a time of worship, and even pray over your finances and the things that you're handing over to the Lord. Pray over this time as an act of worship to say, Lord, I trust you with my stuff, and I trust you with my time, and, uh, and pray for this church. Pray for the ministries and the things that are happening here um, as an act of worship as we, we give to the Lord. And so I'll, I'll pray over our, our offering before we continue. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary. hope to the hopeless as you multiply the offering of fish and loaves multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine we give freely and not under compulsion for all we have is yours lord nothing we can give could match your great gift to us your son and your spirit amen
5: for my way
0: truth.
4: Draw me close and teach me to
6: abide. Well, hey, Mosaic, my name is Kristen. Um, uh, Daniel is my husband here, and we serve on the worship team, but we also lead a uh, Springdale community group, but really, if you live anywhere, you know, Drivable to Springdale, feel free to come. If you're a person of any kind, we would love to have you. And I I mean I mean I mean that seriously, so feel free to grab Daniel and I after service because we would love it if you joined our community. So um, but this is not about me. So if you guys would stand for the reading of the word, that would be awesome. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the
7: Lord. Well, good evening, family. My name is Colin, and uh, I struggle with anxiety. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with anxiety, depression, and control, and it's a joy to be here with you tonight. Hey, uh... We are launching a new series this evening um, that we're just going to be in for the next three weeks, and it's simply called Growing Together. And uh, as Nick said so well earlier, uh, we got any teachers in the room? Any teachers? Yeah, headed back to school. We got any parents sending them off Monday? Awesome. Empty nesters just chilling, not in that world? Yeah. Yeah grandparents laughing, going ha ha ha, we don't have to do that anymore, we just get all the goods. Where you at, you here, good. Hey, if you look at our culture, if you look at just go down the street just a little bit, it is a hustle and bustle period in our city, isn't it? I mean, it is go time, get the books, get the schedule, and I don't know about you, but I have heard two words consistently over the past several months. For one, it seems like every Christian is saying the word nuanced lately, I don't know if you've heard that in your conversations. I feel like everybody's like, mm, you yeah, that's very nuanced. Um, secondly, I'm hearing everybody say, I just want some rhythm. I'm excited for the fall because if I can just get to the fall, then we'll have rhythm. And here's my fear for us, is that we're, we're longing for some rhythm in our culture that it cannot provide that we're, we're falling into the hustle and bustle and the sports and the schedule and the routine and really what our souls are longing for is that in, in and through all of those, we would walk moment by moment at the pace of love with Jesus in those moments. So what I want to do tonight is just first, I actually would prefer not to match the culture as we get ready to launch small groups and to promote kids and to cast some vision for where we hope to go as a church. I'd actually like to slow down a little bit, as Nick said earlier, and just take a deep breath in together. Deep breath out. And could we slowly tonight just become more aware of what God is doing within and around us, and participate with him in those things. Um, Tonight is is the first of three evenings. Um, We'll have this night, next week, and the week following that that we around fellowship just call our fall launch. And what we mean by that is all the things we're hoping to see God do in and through this community of saints this fall. And uh, tonight I have the honor and ability to get to argue with you that spiritual growth, our growing together, is something that actually takes place in connection and in community and relationship. That Christ-likeness requires others. And uh, as we do, I'd love if you're new or if you've been here for a while just to go ahead and cast a little bit of who we are and what we do as a church called Fellowship Mosaic. So first, it's, Been a minute probably since you've heard this, but Fellowship Mosaic, we have a couple of identity statements, three statements that we really cling to as a body. Uh, One is that all are broken. We are messy. Uh, We have brokenness both within us and around us. We know what it is like to walk the the way of the, the enemy that brings death and destruction in our lives and the lives of those around us. We also know that we come into this room with trauma, with pain, with hurting relationships, with habits and behaviors that we know God has not created for us, but rather the enemy is twisted within us. And we come into this room every Saturday and we go into our small groups and community proclaiming, yeah, I'm I'm broken. But we don't stay there. We don't stay in our brokenness. and we actually argue that all matter, that we believe here at Mosaic that every single person restored or still broken, is made in the image of God, and he loves and has compassion and kindness for them. And so we come to this room not just to celebrate our brokenness, but to look to the one who says that we matter and to give him the glory that he alone deserves. That everything we do and everything we are for the glory of God and the good of our city. That's who we are as a church. That's who we hope to be. So whether it's here on a Saturday, whether it's in a community group, or whether it's just out and about in Northwest Arkansas and the world, that our purpose as a church, at fellowship, is to glorify God. That everything we do would be centered on worshiping him and showing love and affection and devotion to him. And our vision is that as we do that, as we glorify God on the moment by moment, our vision as a church is that we could see the very heart and soul of our cities change. And not just our cities, but the world. That I've actually, even in preparing for this, I've been praying for you, as we saw Scott Page talk about and update us on Samaritan just a little bit ago, I've been praying that here in the next couple of years, we could see several different disciple-making movements and church planning movements happen from within this congregation. What do you say? That we would be so committed to seeing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, change not only us, but those around us. And it it would cause life change, that where there's addiction and where the enemy has strongholds in our city and it seems like he is just winning, we would begin to see God break through in ways that we haven't before. And it would change not just us, but the very world we live in. And how we like to accomplish that as a church is that our mission is that we wanna produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express, not just a a knowledge that we are hearers of the word, but an expression as doers of the word. That we don't just come into this place to hear some good teaching and sing some good songs. No, that we are so transformed by it that we long to go as spiritual leaders to express the authentic Christ in Northwest Arkansas and the world. And lastly, we we hope that we will grow together in this process. That none of this is actually a solo you alone with Jesus project. Actually, if you look at most cults, it usually begins with what? A person with a Bible who is alone. Our hope, no, 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 our hope is not for you to isolate and to just have good head knowledge. It's actually to be conformed together into the image of Jesus, and that requires relationship. And so, this fall, as we step into our launch, what we're hoping to do is that we're going to grow together, not just numerically. Numerical growth is great. We want to grow spiritually with one another. Because what I'd hate to do is for us to just grow numerically and fill a bunch of seats, but it'd be spiritually empty. Wouldn't that be tragic? But if we together could, could fix our eyes on Jesus in such a way this fall, that we begin to grow spiritually with one another and we experience that transformation that then we can invite others to do the same. And so each of the three weeks as we launch into the fall, we're gonna be focusing in on some of these vision statements, these values that we as followers of Jesus, we wanna learn together. We wanna, in our, from little kids who are te- uh, teachers are serving them right now, to our community groups, to our small groups, to the trainings, we wanna be a community that learns. We're gonna worship together and next week, Kyle and Laura will talk about this, that that's not just a Saturday ordeal, that worship is a a living sacrifice to God on the day by day. Next is that we'll gather together in here as well as outside of it. Serving together, that we would be a community that serves one another, that spiritual leaders, ultimately Jesus defines leaders as servants. And lastly, and I will argue probably most importantly, that we will be a church that makes disciples together. And so um, as we dive in tonight and and talk about growing spiritually and making disciples with one another, um, my hope is that you will leave tonight um, knowing that that is not something you can do on your own. It is going to happen within the context of community. So here's what I want you to do. If you haven't already, go ahead and grab some people around you to sit with. So like if you're sitting alone right now, time to hop up and move next to somebody. And if you came in here and you didn't say hi to the people behind you or in front of you, this is your chance. And and, and if you came and you're already sitting together as your community group, where we at community group? Oh yeah, sitting together. That's the vision. So if you're with your community group, well done, you accomplished it. If you're brand new, go meet somebody. If you're sitting alone and haven't introduced yourself to those around you, you have a minute, go. Beautiful. I sat with one of our spiritual leaders and small group leaders. Larry, can I call you on the spot right now? Larry, raise your hand. This is my friend Larry Shue. Everybody say hi, Larry. Hey, I got coffee with Larry last week. You want to know what he said? What he said? He's been at Mosaic. How many years have you been at Mosaic, Larry? More than I can think of. Larry and I are having coffee and Larry said, I have to say in my experience at Mosaic, this is probably one of the most unfriendly times I've experienced. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We got COVID, we, we multiplied our staff to go plant two congregations up in North and down South. We had the great rotation of churches across Northwest Arkansas where everybody was just like, I'll try this, I'll try this, I'll try that. It's a revolving door of evangelicalism right now. Mask, no mask, political divide. Do we talk about race? Do we not? All these different things, and and we're coming into this room every night, and there's a temptation just to kind of cross our arms, get some good worship and teaching, and then go about our merry way. And Larry said, he wasn't just blaming leadership. He wasn't saying it was the staff's fault. Larry said, and I I have contributed to that. And so Larry put a challenge out there, and anybody's welcome to take him up on it. Larry said, my small group is going to become one of the most friendly small groups at fellowship. And the competition starts tonight. (laughs) We need to be a church. If we're going to grow together and make disciples together, that's gonna be really hard to do if we don't know one another. And so when we come into this place on Saturdays, our hope is not that you would just come in and receive and sit alone in solitude. There's a time and a place for that as a follower of Jesus. It's not here. And if we're gonna make disciples together, as you hopefully see in the New Testament tonight, that is done in relationship and knowing intimately one another. Acts chapter two, if you'll look with me, as Kristen led so well earlier. They devoted themselves. Two things they devoted themselves to. First, the apostles' teaching. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and the apostles are gathering in the temple. They're gathering in the temple, and they're proclaiming the good news. So this is what is known as the birth of the church. They're at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come, and you have one of the greatest sermons you'll ever read in the scriptures as Peter proclaims, and, and many come to faith in Jesus in that day. And they come together, and this begins this pattern within their life where they're Uh, The apostles' teaching and then this other term, which happens to be the name of our church. Say it together. Fellowship. The Greek there is koinonia. Sometimes I love in like Christian subculture, we like to like take biblical words and give them meaning that they don't have. It's just like, man, that was such good fellowship. You ever hear someone say that? Like, oh, we just had great fellowship tonight. And what they're saying is we connected. We had good friendship. And, And there's some truth to that. But as you look further in the scripture, this term fellowship actually implies something so much deeper than just hanging out and having a good time playing yard games. Now, This term koinonia, throughout the New Testament, it is a divine, intimate unity. One that Jesus says that his followers will experience with the Father and the Spirit. That it's the same friendship and relationship God invites us into as sinners saved by grace. And not only that, it is the thing that then becomes, not only do we enter into this friendship with the triune God, we begin to have intimate covenant friendship with one another so much so that it makes this new humanity where throughout the scriptures, they refer to one another as a spiritual family of brothers and sisters. And it involves everything from the Holy Spirit and dwelling them, their community life, as you see throughout Acts, they're sharing everything, they're eating good food together, Amen. When was the last time you just had some good food with other followers of Jesus and it was encouraging to you? It is a holy covenant fellowship between the triune God and his church and the book of Acts is the very first time we see it birthed and it takes place throughout the rest of the New Testament. But the hope within the koinonia, notice, was that they would grow deep in their relationship with God, with one another. And then the last verse here in Acts, who is it that adds growth numerically? God does. As followers of Jesus, as disciples of him, as Christians, it is our responsibility together to grow in Christ's likeness. And as we do that, as we abide and fix our eyes on Jesus, he will add to our numbers. So I am far more concerned about you taking seriously, following Jesus with the other brothers and sisters in this room, than I am about bringing a bunch of people to hear some sermons. And this pattern, it began to develop the pattern of Christ likeness for the early church. That as they would grow to become more like Jesus together, they would gather in the temple courts. Could you imagine being in those temple courts? I mean, could you just imagine being there and hearing Peter or James preaching and teaching and talking about Jesus who just resurrected and oh, and then they're going home by home into houses. And they're sharing everything and they're beginning to actually put to practice this teaching about who Jesus is and what he's doing. And throughout the early church, this becomes the pattern of spiritual growth. We gather together to hear the Lord's teaching and then we gather in small groups and homes to do life with one another. I have a question for you. Has this been your experience of the church? when you think about the church today, is growing to become more like Jesus and inviting others to join you in that endeavor, what has defined your experience? Are the practices of coming together with the saints in a large space like this and then going out into homes to do intimate life with one another, being seen and known, is that what has marked your journey with the church? And what I'd love to do is, is if not, maybe asking why. And so with the friends you just met, take, take a moment here and ask, has this been your experience, not with just fellowship, but with the church at large, the body of Christ? Has this been your experience in your spiritual journey? Go, ask the friend or neighbor next to you. And I'm hearing some responses. I've, I've heard it, it hasn't always been our experience, but it has been now. I've, heard, I've seen a few people just shake their head no and cross their arms. <laughs> I've seen a little bit of that. That's okay, we can talk after. And, and I'm sure you've probably heard a, a whole mixed bag of responses. But one, uh, one spiritual leader I look up to is named Leslie Newbegin. He was a church planner and missionary in India throughout the 20th century. So both world wars actually was spent his time in India planning churches, being a part of a missions movement. And then he returned back to his homeland of England in the late uh, I think it was in the late 80s and he observed that the spiritual landscape had completely changed in the west that he had been in India for 40 years, seeing discipleship take place, seeing the church begin to flourish, and he returned back to England and found that the cathedrals are empty. And there was almost a hostility towards him and his Christianity. And what Leslie began to identify was there's there's three things he saw starting to take form in the West that were going to make it difficult to have what he called a missional uh, opportunity for the church in this Western secular culture, a missional movement. He said three things. One, consumerism. That there is a a bent towards the consumer mentality that I like this teaching, I like worship like that, I want my small groups like this. That the church had become something that was to be consumed, not something that was to be a gift to the world.
6: Friend, I would argue
7: that if you're coming to Mosaic with a mentality, the same mentality that you shop at Walmart, (laughs) you will be left wanting. (laughs) We got some great teachers, we got some great worship, but we cannot fulfill that need because the church is not designed to be consumed. Secondly, was this radical hyper-individualism. He came back to England and he began to see what he saw as this individual freedom where we had taken freedom to mean what I want and when I want it, how I want it. And so in the culture, this Western secularized culture, it became very difficult to build relationships because everything was centered on the individual. And what he began to saw was that you had in this individualism, you had people begin to identify more with a uh, with a um, political party than they would with the kingdom of God. That it was about their rights and their thoughts and their beliefs, and it began to have this divide where Christians were no longer talking to each other in his country. And to be Christian was what is meant to be marked by a sacrificial, loving kindness for others. Became this what I want and when I want it. And lastly, was our evangelism. That Newbegin began to notice there was a lot of proclamation of the gospel, but it was proclamation of the gospel to get people to convert, not necessarily to disciple. It was to pray a prayer and then go about your merry way, not pray a prayer and then come and be with Jesus into eternity. And so the evangelism in the West began to focus more about that numerical growth and began to focus less on the spiritual growth. And I think this is why we have people who've been following Jesus for years that yet they look nothing like him. Because they were never invited into a process to come and not to consume, but to come and give. Give. And to come and lay down your individualism to be a part of his body as his bride, a living stone amongst the temple of God. And to lay down your freedoms for the freedoms of those around us. That we would be a community of disciples with other disciples. And Newbigin said that I have come to feel that the primary reality of which we have to take account in seeking for Christian impact on public life is the Christian congregation. I'm suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic, that is the the way that the world could see and understand of the gospel is the congregation of men and women who believe it and who live by it. Don't you long to be a part of that kind of congregation where we would not simply be hearers of the word but doers of it. And I love that Leslie did not say individuals. He said a congregation, the collection, of disciples, And so here at Mosaic, when we talk about the word disciple, here's what we mean. Um, it's in our mission statement that we long to see spiritual leaders. By being in a chair in this room tonight, you are unintentionally signing up to be a spiritual leader within our body. We need you. And not just we need you, our city actually needs you. And our world needs you. And so when we talk about a disciple or a spiritual leader, we mean a maturing disciple with a ministry focus. That when you look at the, the word disciple in the New Testament, it's the term mathetase. And almost every time that it is used, roughly 260 times in the gospel and the book of Acts, it refers to a noun, which means a disciple is something you are or are not. And what a mathetase is, it is a learner, a pupil, a person who is devoted to learning about Jesus and then following his teachings in this world. And then you begin to see what the verb, how the disciples function and operate. Well, Well, they start by being with Jesus and becoming like him, by spending time with their master and Lord, and then they go and begin to do the things that he does. So they respond to anxiety and sexuality and lust, and anger, and enemy love the way that Jesus has taught them to. And they don't do that alone. Notice Jesus didn't just have a disciple, he had disciples, plural. That it was in community with one another, and it was global in scope. It was to invite every tribe, tongue, and nation to join in. And I love, Trevor Hudson says this, he was a pastor in South Africa through apartheid. He says that the gospel call invites us to apprentice ourselves to Jesus, to become pilgrims along the compassionate way and journey deeper together into the heart and life of God. In our contemporary setting, Christians often look more like bustling tourists than faithful pilgrims, patiently engaged upon an eternal pilgrimage into divine love. For countless people today make periodic excursions in the spiritual supermarket in pursuit of a novel offer, but few seem willing to sign up as pilgrims in the lifelong adventure of discipleship. Hmm. And as I look, as an overview of the New Testament, a key phrase keeps getting used over and over, and it is one another. Look with me through some of these verses. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, be devoted to one another. And Corinth, have mutual concern for one another. Galatians, serve one another. Again, the Galatians, carry the burdens of one another. Back to the church in Rome, honor one another. Encourage one another. Bear patiently with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Confess sins to one another. He continues in Ephesus, Colossians, to forgive one another, show hospitality to one another, accept and receive one another, submit to one another, treat one another as more important than oneself, to spur on one another to love and good words, instruct and exhort one another. Jesus says, They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. You had enough yet? Wait for one another in worship. We don't do that one well, do we? We're like, it's five, it's time, we're live. Show humility toward one another. Pursue what is good for one another. Build up one another. Live in harmony and unity with one another. Could you imagine a group of saints in Northwest Arkansas who put that one to practice? Follow Jesus' example of washing feet of one another. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Warmly greet one another. Is the Christian life something that is lived as an individual? All throughout the New Testament, we see community, this this relationship with other followers of Jesus. It does three things. First, it exposes us. And that can be kind of painful sometimes. Because I kind of like hiding my sin, actually. I kind of prefer for y'all just to see the version of Colin I put out here. I don't want you to actually know my darkest sinful parts But when we begin to live an ongoing relationship and put to practice these one another's, it exposes all the areas I'm still falling short. But if a community group is just looking to expose you, run. (laughs) You get exposed and then you get encouraged that there's this connection and correction that begins to take place in that small group so that you could be edified, so that you could begin to live the life an instruction that God has designed you to live with. And so as we enter into the fall mosaic, I'd love to invite you into a fall rhythm, regardless of your stage of life, if you got sports coming, if you're a widow currently, maybe you're newlywed and you are loving it, maybe you're walking through the divorce and it's really painful. Regardless of the season you find yourself in, we invite you this fall to join us in growing and making disciples together. And so Kyle and Laura are gonna talk next week about our gatherings this time in this space and what we hope to do. I'd love to end our time looking towards our small groups, how we gather outside of this place to become more like Jesus with one another. And if you've been a part of small groups before, you, you might resonate with one of these four. I have been a part of all four, and I will tell you the top right is the place to be. See, small groups are built around two, two primary things. One is connection, friendship, relationship with one another. Next is mission, living outward for the great commission of seeing others become disciples. And some of us have been a part of where there's uh, low connection and low mission, and it's just great training and knowledge, right? It's, it's just a Sunday school class. We're learning really good things, but it's not necessarily changing, and it's definitely not allowing us to be exposed or, or encouraged. Or I, I fall into this one sometimes where there's high connection, but it's not missional. <laughs> we're, we're having great fellowship and relationship, but we're not, it's not changing anything within us or around us. We're, we're just a holy huddle. And we kind of close off our little huddle to anybody who might need to join, and we just stay there. On the other side of things, this is where I actually lean is just Lone Ranger evangelism. It's just easier without people, <laughs> Honestly. It also allows me not to be exposed in that place because I'm not connected, I don't have that relationship, I'm not seen or known, so it's just me and Jesus kind of taking over the world together and it is exhausting. Or we could have high connection, high relationship with one another where we are known and we are seen and our story, the good and the bad, is not just able to be shared but we're accepted and challenged and comforted in that place and we have clear eyes towards the needs of those around us. And we join in with God's great commission of making disciples, inviting others to become like Jesus. And it is my hope for every small group, every community group, every women's group, every men's group, Sage, we got middle schoolers about to start for the first time, gathering in homes to put Acts 2 to practice, for our high schoolers who've been doing it for a little while. Every single group, I hope it would get to experience being a part of a disciple-making community. That there would be high connection, relationship with God and one another based on the good news of Jesus. That every time we come together, we're connecting on that. That there would be conviction, this devotion to growing in Christ's likeness and becoming more like him. There'd be a commitment to one another to live this life with each other and God, not just for a season, but into eternity. And lastly, that we would be known by our commission, or God's commission for us, that we would be a blessing, not a burden to our city and our neighborhoods and our workplaces. And that's the vision we hope for as you dive into small groups this fall, that this is what we want to be as Fellowship Mosaic. And I think if we will do this well, if we could do this well as a body, could you imagine two years from now the life change stories across Northwest Arkansas we could experience together? Could you imagine the people in this room who would begin to experience freedom from the addictions and the things that the enemy is regularly throwing at them? Could you imagine maybe five years from now when we could look out on a global scale and even see people within this room who have been sent out to plant other churches that make other disciples? Don't you long to be a part of a community like that? Well, how do we do it? Well, it's real, real simple. My, my community strategy is brilliant, let me tell you. We need Christ-like spiritual leaders. We need spiritual leaders who are going to open up their homes and their lives to facil- facilitate discipleship. Space to be with and become like Jesus with others. We also need people who are gonna join into those spaces to participate. Not consume, not just give me, not just here to throw out all my dirty laundry and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Let's be longing to become like Jesus. And when we do that and we center around these four, we start to experience discipleship with one another. And uh, in closing, there's going to be tonight we have uh, the invitation to you. Join a small group. Don't do the Christian life alone anymore. If you're tired of coming into this room, as my friend Larry Shue did, being unfriendly, let's change that. And let's begin to walk in that koinonia, that friendship with God and one another, so that the world looks into this place. And they're like, wow, those people at Mosaic actually live and look and talk like Jesus. The aroma of Christ is just so present within them. So we're, we're going to have some time here in a little bit where we'll talk about some next steps for small groups. But for now, what we're going to do is we're going to practice some koinonia, some fellowship with one another. And uh, some of our spiritual leaders are going to come and have the elements to, off the, to the communion to pass. It's been a minute since we've done communion like this because we've been using the little like membrane plastic cups and those are going away. So uh, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm gonna, uh, oh, you can cheer for that. That's an amen. Uh, hey, here's what I'm going to need you to do in this time, though, is I'm going to need you to look to your left. That's the way I want you to exit. And then I want you to come back around your right. It'll just give us a little more structure and order so nobody's rushing to communion. And I want you to come up to these spiritual leaders and I want you to see eye contact with them and they're going to give you just a small blessing. Remember God loves us. And then I want you to take the elements and I want you to hold them in your seat. And we're gonna sing a song over one another not just over ourselves, but over one another. And there's gonna be a scripture on the screen, so as you come to receive the elements, would you receive God's word, and let's allow this to fuel us in being a church that does discipleship and growing together well. So, plates are available. Please, would you rise, come, take, and then we'll take and eat together in a moment.
4: Your kindness, you At the table forgiveness is tasted and seen Shoulder to shoulder we come Shoulder to shoulder we come
0: Jesus took the bread surrounded by his spiritual friends, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. And he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Take and drink.
7: That we could be a church with disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And there's a couple of next steps for you. One, um, if you are brand new, uh, we'd love to invite you to join Discover. Um, Discover is an opportunity for you just to to begin to understand who we are and what we do as a church and how we function and, and, and some of the ways to jump in. So if you've never been a part of a small group at Fellowship Bible Church, I would highly recommend diving into Discover. Um, there's actually, we, we got a class beginning, a small group will walk through curriculum as well as you'll experience meeting in a home with some leaders and other followers of Jesus to begin that journey. Some of us are spiritual leaders and since COVID, we, we kind of just said, we're done with community. This is hard. And I would love to invite you to, to come back <laughs> and to open up your home. And so if you have the desire or the drive to open up your life, to making disciples and leading a small group. Please, let's talk, we we, we need you. And lastly, if you are not doing life with other followers of Jesus right now, we would love for you to sign up and let this be the fall that you begin to do that and do that well. Uh, Maybe you're like, I have kids and that kind of doesn't sound great, getting into a living room with a bunch of people and we got bedtimes and we're figuring it out. Um, Our family ministry is actually hosting a camp out. Uh, You can find the information here, but it's just a chance. so that's not just for, when we say family, we don't just mean those with kids, we mean family, like anybody who calls Mosaic home, and uh, so that's not restricted just for those with littles or high schoolers, we'd love any and all to come, but we're gonna be out at Prairie Creek, kind of bring your own food, bring your own gear, and we're just gonna spend some time, like Jesus did with his disciples, camping out together, some good fish and good memories and uh, we also, in this time, are having some of our fall studies beginning for our ladies, places where they come together. And I'd actually like to invite a couple of our spiritual leaders up, uh, Stacy and Dana, if you guys wouldn't mind giving these friends a round of applause. And uh, these are two of, of our spiritual, spiritual leaders, leaders who are leading a small group of women's studies here. And uh, first off, Stacy, Dana, tell us, tell our body kind of who you are, where you come from. You go first. Okay, thanks. Look at that servant. Hi, leadership.
8: everyone. Um, I'm Dana Barron. My husband Chris and I have attended Mosaic for about 12 years now. We have two girls in the elementary ministry who have grown up at Mosaic. It's been such a blessing, and I have been serving with the women's um, leadership committee now for a year. It's been a
9: year. Wow.
7: Beautiful.
9: That's me. Uh, my name is Stacey Adams. Um, my husband and I have been attending Mosaic for about six years. We have three kids, ages 6 to 19. Um, our two teenage daughters are very involved in the student ministries here, and you probably know them because they know everybody at this point. Um, and we've been involved, my husband and I, in various ways uh, pretty much since we started coming to Mosaic, from small groups to Discover to um, working in the toddlers, in the preschool buildings. So really excited to continue serving you guys. Yeah.
7: And you all have chosen for the fall Nehemiah, correct? Yes. Yeah? So why Nehemiah? And what are you hoping to see uh, for the people who join that? What do, you, what do you want to see happen in, in that community?
9: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's such a loaded question, Colin. Um, we've kind of been camped out in the Old Testament for about the last year. Hmm. We started, um, last fall and kind of did a survey of the prophets. And then we did Ecclesiastes this spring. And now Hmm. we're studying Nehemiah, Ezra, Hmm. and Carrie and I are hoping to throw Esther in there too. So we've got lofty goals for you guys. (laughs) Um, but really, I think for me personally, um, we hope to just connect with our women and connect with the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to be learned and a lot of stories and there's a lot of connections and practical applications to be drawn. Yes. Um, I did find, after we talked, um, in part of my study, in the introduction um, to this area of the Bible, this quote, and I wanted to share it because I really think that it, it really wraps up precisely what we're looking for. Um, the quote is, it was crucial for a people starting over to have a historical perspective on mm. what made the kings of Judah succeed or fail and how obedience to God affected the well-being of a nation. Mm. And I just wow. really feel like I so. think everybody can feel that elephant in the room right mm. now. Um, and we're, oh, that's, that was the fifth century. In the fifth century, people needed historical perspective. Hmm. And now we're in the 21st century, and we still need that historical perspective. So I think it's important to learn that, like Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun.
2: Yeah.
9: And um, we can glean some really awesome truth by studying Ezra and Nehemiah we'll touch on the 1st and 2nd Chronicles a little bit because they all kind of go together.
7: Beautiful, beautiful. Dan, anything to add as far as what you want to see happen in that time?
8: Um, yeah, our study, my study that I will be leading is also going to be Nehemiah. Um, it's going to be a little different format from Stacy's. Hers is going to be much more um, lecture-based. You're going to dive real deep. Um, so for those of you that are ready for that, by all means. Yeah. Jump in. Um, My study is going to be just a short video to give the historical context, and then we will dive into discussion, so it will be much more um, connection and discussion-based, learning from each other as we study the scripture.
9: And one thing I want to note, because I know that our body of women in the church is just so great, ages and stages, and our women's committee has really worked to come together and study the same topic and learn the same lessons, but not only to learn it in ways that you feel more comfortable learning, like if you want more of a book study and discussion, or if you want a deep dive into the scriptures, um, like Carrie and I are gonna do, but also times of day. There's gonna be morning studies on Thursday morning. There's gonna be the same types of studies in an evening class. Um, and if you bring your kids to the kids' time available for that, yeah. they're also going to be studying what we're studying and it's appropriate to them. So we're really all centering this around one topic for us to be able to talk to each other, talk to yeah. our kids, and we're all on the same page. Yeah,
7: Beautiful. So if you're a woman really interested in diving in with some other ladies, I'd encourage you come talk to these two or sign up online. Uh, we're really excited even for the opportunity and, and that setting with Nehemiah to keep growing together. Tonight we're gonna have Rogers and Cape Springs leaders available in the foyer. Next week we'll have some of the Bentonville, Bella Vista crew, Centerton crew, and then after that. And, and what we wanna do is as you leave this place, just go say hi to one of the leaders who's leading a small group. And if you're looking to join, uh, they will have a tag. You can scan, fill it out. They'll get you plugged in immediately. But may we not be a church that does not do life together this fall. So, friends, if you need prayer tonight, our prayer team will be available on the sides. If you're brand new, please don't leave without saying hi. Would you stand with me as we declare and send out our benediction to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord and the people of God said? We love you, Mosaic. We'll see you soon.